This is the Man Up Podcast, the doctor's guide to men's health. Each week on our podcast, we interview the top specialists of the field on various topics in men's health. You have questions that you are too afraid to ask? We have the answers. This week, our episode is titled Clapping Back on Sexually Transmitted Diseases and Genital Hygiene. I'm Dr. Kevin Chu, and I'm joined us with always with my co-host, beautiful Dr. Justin Dubin. What's up, Justin? Ah, how are you, Kev? I'm I'm a little sunburned from being in Colorado on the snow. My nose is really red, so you didn't put any sunblock on there or anything. I like did. That? I put the SPF 30. I guess I I forgot the first day. Okay, I forgot. Maybe the first maybe it was day. just some like a maybe it was like a you know somewhat windburn or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was bad, but uh, it was a good trip. The photos look great, um, though. Right? Yeah. Uh, Vail looked amazing. Vail is amazing. That was my first time in Colorado. I really loved it. Definitely want to go back. Absolutely. Yeah. Just all time uh, snowboarding experience. But um, back to today. I'm really excited. We have a special guest, a friend of mine from college who's been very successful in life. And I'm glad we get him on. But we're going to be talking about STIs, STDs. Um, this is something that guys don't like to talk about. Girls don't like to talk about really. No one likes to talk about, right, Kev? I mean, it's pretty hush hush stuff. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a, you know, sensitive kind of topic, but it's really important. Like these are things that should be addressed, can be prevented. Uh, and so, you know, this is knowledge that everyone should really know about. Yeah. And the thing is, even though people don't really talk about it, they're there. They're present. Oh, they're they're actually pretty common. And as we're going <laughs> to learn today, probably more, it's going to scare a lot of people. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But, you know, according to the CDC in 2018, you know, one fifth of people in the United States had an STI. That's 80, 68 million infections wow. annually. Wow. You know, 26 million U.S. new STIs or sexually transmitted infections, sexually transmitted diseases, STDs. We're going to kind of flip back and forth. Uh, yeah. with that terminology in 2018. And almost half of these STIs were amongst the ages of 15 to 24 years old. Um, so it's it's common out there. And um, I just want to, we'll, we'll welcome on uh, Dr. Carl Sardi. Go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll get going. Sorry, as the audio uh, cut out there a little bit, I didn't hear anything about sunburn. So um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, my name is uh, Carl Sardi. I'm uh, one of the dermatologists here at uh, GW. Um, I uh, did my uh, residency training at the uh, Georgetown University and uh, um, have been here seeing patients in clinic and in the hospital uh, since then for the past two years. All right. Well, Dr. Sardi, thank you for joining us. Why don't we uh, get started, all right? So STDs or STIs, everyone's scared of them. So what is the most common STD? Yeah, I would say, you know, with, with regards to sexually transmitted uh, infections and, and, and diseases, um, there's really no cause for alarm. The, the majority of them are very treatable, and, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But probably the, the two most common ones, and, and two of the ones that actually cause the most concern amongst patients are the human papillomavirus or, or HPV virus and, and the herpes viruses. Um, for some reason, people are, are, are very scared of these two things, even though they're, you know, circulate widely in the community. Lots of people have been infected with them without even knowing it. Um, and in general, they don't really cause, you know, too many problems um, and can be treated uh, either with your own immune system or with medications. Um, with the human papillomavirus, it's, it's super, super common. We've probably all had some form of it. There's like over 100 different strains of uh, the, uh, the HPV virus. It's, um, it's kind of like COVID. It's the original one with lots of variants. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, and most people it causes warts, um, warts of the feet, warts of the hands, um, genital warts sometimes. Um, you know, you could pick it up in a public shower back when we used to do that. Um, or uh, I didn't know that. Wait, you can actually get HPV. How, how do you contract it in the shower? I'm very curious. No one's taking showers now. You just ruined showers for everyone. <laughs> well, luckily COVID got there first, but uh, yeah, it's it's just even you know very mild you know skin to skin contact or contact with something that has the, the HPV virus on it can transmit it. Um, the, the good news is that the types of HPV that most people get that cause you know warts of the skin generally don't cause cancer, and and that's the you know the feared uh, you know kind of downstream effect of, of HPV infection. Um, it, it definitely, certain strains of it are definitely associated with, um, with cervical cancer in women. And, and now we're finding more and more that it, that it's associated with, with penile cancer and other forms of cancer in men. Um, but generally if it's, if it's showing up as genital warts, really nothing to worry about. Usually they're just going to stay as genital warts. Your immune system is going to get rid of it and you'll move on with your life. Um, and then the herpes viruses also are, are really, really common. Um, Probably over 90% of people have had one or both forms of HSV, and it can be transmitted as, by something as simple as a, a kiss from, you know, a, a parent or relative when you're younger. Um, you know, we see a lot of kids who, who come in, who have come into the emergency room with a new uh, herpes infection of the mouth. And, you know, when you ask the parents, they'll say, oh, yeah, like they were, you know, this relevant was over at our house and, and they had a cold sore and they kissed them. And, and that's actually super common. It's I, I saw that on the internet, actually. Someone was like, it was one of these photos that were being passed around. And it was like this baby that had like all these sores in the mouth. And they're like, you know, parents don't kiss your newborns, you know. But I guess it can happen, right? It's Right. You kiss the feet. You kiss the feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? Yeah. 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 It's, so, it's, it's just so, out there. So what percentage of people would you say have HPV and what percentage of people have, you said 90% of HSV, but when we're talking about herpes simplex virus genitals, what percentage of people have genital herpes? I think it's as high as fifty percent. You know, in, in some wow. groups of people, yeah, fifty percent. And the good news is, now, most people have no symptoms, so it's something that you can be infected with and, and really never have any problems from it for your entire for the rest of your life. Having said that, I don't think anyone would desire getting it, right? I mean. It's obviously not the not it's not the end of the world, as you said. Um, now, what percentage of people would you say have some form of HPV? Because I think it's important. You know, herpes. I think people get these two things confused a lot. Now, Definitely. herpes yeah. obviously is 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 very different. We don't really have a cure for herpes. We don't have a cure for HPV, but we do have a vaccine for HPV. Doesn't cover all of them, like you said. There's a million variants, but does cover the ones that. Um, that can cause cancer potentially is, is the thought process and really kind of get rid of all like cervical cancer and guys you mentioned also throat cancer in guys. So you see a lot in the ENT, um, but which is kind of like a humble brag, whatever. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so tell me about uh, the HPV vaccine and, and how that differs from other things that, that, that is going on. Like what age groups are, are guys like guys our age, can I still get the HPV vaccine? So I'll say it depends on your insurance. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's actually, I think, approved for all ages. And um, right now, I think uh, most pediatricians are, are vaccinating, you know, both boys and girls. 
um, prior to, you know, what we call sexual debut or like first sexual encounter, um, because that's really when you're going to have the most impact in terms of preventing an infection with potentially cancer causing strains of HPV. It's also recommended, I, bel- I have to check my uh, notes here, but up to um, age 26 for everybody. So most insurances should cover it up to age 26. And then it's also recommended for adults above age 26 if, if they're continuing to have, have new sexual partners. Um, so there's really no reason, there's really no reason to not get the vaccine, it seems, at, at any age. We see tons and tons of patients with, with just warts. And I always tell them, especially if they're a young person, that you, know, you should probably, we don't have the, and unfortunately we don't have the HPV vaccine in, in my clinic, but I always tell patients with warts like, you know, talk to your doctor about, you know, getting the HPV vaccine. And the reason is we've, even though the viruses, the strains of the virus are different um, in terms of the vaccine versus the ones that cause warts, we've seen warts just melt away after people get the HPV. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That, that's that's like, crazy. It's like vaccine or cure, right? <laughs> <You> know, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it's something that they're already, you know, eligible for, it's it may not be something that's at the at the top of their doctor's list of, of things to do in a visit, but worth asking about definitely. And, and I think it's a great point because I don't think many guys are thinking about that. They're, you know, we talk about the HPV vaccine a lot for women because of cervical cancer, mm-hmm. but this is a great point, right? It's never too late to get the vaccine, and and you said you've seen it can really help make a difference, even if you have it already. So there's really no reason to not get it. I mean, it. Justin, I think that's the that's the point. Like, even if you have it, you should still get it. And it could, you know, help out. So I think that's that's fascinating, you know? It's crazy. I didn't know that. I learned that today for sure. Yeah, but I guess going back to your question about how common these are, I would probably say at close to 100% of people have probably had HPV of some sort. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but it's hard to say because... Uh, not everyone shows symptoms of like warts or whatever. Um, and we also don't have antibody tests for it. We have antibody tests for, for HSV and we, we can kind of look at how many, for herpes at least, and we can see how many people have been exposed to the virus at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was kind of like the other point. You should really never get an antibody test for, for, for the herpes virus. It's, it's going to be positive. It's going to mm-hmm. cause a lot of anxiety. Um, uh, just Just avoid it if you can. <laughs> is there a reason to get it? Is there a reason to get it ever or no? Um, Herpetic encephalitis. I'm guessing maybe like, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly can't think of one. And, and actually the funny thing is, I don't know if you guys saw the, uh, the documentary on, uh, on Theranos. That's I think like on Netflix or something. Yeah. yeah. That was the only test that they had approved. Uh, really? <laughs> a completely useless test. It was always going to come really back good. positive. They, they they knew what the answer was before they had to even do the test. <laughs> that's brilliant. It's actually that's brilliant. brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> um. So uh, let's talk about another thing. You know, we talked about how how those two are contracted, but a lot of a common question that we get, I, I get, I think Kevin gets as a as a urologist is we see a lot of you know guys and and sometimes their partners are when they're having sex with them, female partners can often get UTIs. And a lot of men and sometimes their partners have asked, you know, am I getting a UTI? Is this a sexually transmitted disease? Like, can I be transferring my UTI from uh, two ways, right? The question is, if I have a UTI, can I get my, my partner infected by it, like an STD? And 
is my male partner giving me UTIs through their semen or something? Can I get a UTI from semen? So it's kind of a two-part question. If you can kind of like explain that to us. That to us. Yeah, generally, you know, UTI, the urinary tract infections are, are not sexually transmitted. Um, that being said, it seems like a lot of, um, at least a lot of women at least, who are, you know, make up the bulk of, of UTI cases, do report that sometimes after uh, sexual activity, they, they can develop UTIs. Um, and actually, interestingly, it seems that it's seems to be related to, to spermicide use as a form of a contraception. Mm. Um, I'm not exactly sure, you know, why that is. Um, some people find that, you know, women especially find that uh, urinating immediately after after sex can actually reduce the chances of, of having UTI. I don't think that's true, actually. I don't think the data oh, really? supports okay. that. Yeah, I don't think the data supports that, actually. And, and I also think the, the spermicide also, like, kind of messes around with, like, the, the flora around it, right? The, the bacteria, that's the, the natural bacteria. And so uh, that's actually why it may, you know, cause a imbalance of what's usually there and that causes... Uh, the development of the infection. Yeah. And I think when, when we're talking about, can a guy just by having sex with their partner in their sperm give like, can you have like dirty sperm that gives a UTI? The answer is really no. I mean, you know, as we like, for the most part, I won't, I won't say semen is sterile because as we I, I've seen more I've and seen more some positive semen cultures, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. You can have infections through your prostate and stuff like that, but still it's not likely you're going to transfer that infection right to your partner. Really, you know, the bottom line is like a UTI is kind of from in, in a female perspective is often because of the factors like you guys said, the truth is, you know, the, the urethra is a lot shorter, uh, the, which is the, you know, the tube that you pee out of your bladder connecting mm -hmm. to the outside world. It's a lot shorter in the female. And so there's a lot more opportunity for bacteria to get in and have a more readily infection. And then often when you're engaging in intercourse, you know, things happen and it's, it's a potential anitis to, to get that infection, but can the sexual, you know, the sperm itself probably not is not going to be the thing that's giving you a UTI. Yeah. I, w I will say that there are these, uh, kind of two unusual bacteria and, and it's kind of funny. They barely qualify as like what makes up a bacteria. They're almost like viruses in some ways, uh, mycoplasma and urea plasma. I'm sure you guys have come right. across this. Yeah. I guess those are considered like sexually transmitted and they cause UTI like symptoms, but they're not really urinary tract infections. I would say that's really the only you know way you'd have like a some sort of an infection of the urethra that's that's transmitted other than the usual suspects. Right. Yeah, but generally for the most part, like through like semen and stuff like that, like Justin was saying, you're not really transmitting any of that. Um but back to so let's let's go back to to STDs. So you know, how effective are condoms or other things like dental dams? Are they effective in you know preventing transmission? Yeah. So most of these STDs, um, you know, things like uh, uh, syphilis and, and herpes, especially, um, they're much more infectious when there's actually an, an open sore, like when the disease is active. Um, so things like condoms ca can be very effective. Um, actually, while I was reading up, you know, preparing for the for the for the podcast, um, I actually found out that there's new terminology around condoms. I don't know if you guys have heard this. Um, they're for condoms that are placed on a like a, a penis or, or a neophallus. They call them external condoms, and then for what we used to call female condoms, people are calling them internal condoms now. Interesting. To, 
Yeah, yeah, it was. I I just learned that today. I guess it's to be more, you know, trans inclusive. Um, you know, with these forms of uh, barrier contraceptive. Um, wow. Rather than calling them like male condoms or female condoms, they're yeah. calling them internal and yeah. external yeah. condoms now, which which I thought was was cool and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what do you, do you have a number? Is there a number for efficacy for these kinds of you know, like I think condoms, obviously, as a as a contraceptive, the condoms are for two things, or any kind of barrier contraceptive is really for preventing. Can do two things, right? Prevent birth uh, mm-hmm. fertility, and it can prevent the spread of you know disease. Now, do we have a number on the efficacy? Is there is there any? Do we have an idea, or is it just kind of like one of those things that it definitely reduces? Yeah, so so most of the stuff we know about, um, you know, barrier contraception like condoms is a uh, from you know when the HIV uh, epidemic was was really taking off, and uh, we know that it definitely reduces the risk of HIV transmission um, amongst couples where where one partner has HIV and the other doesn't. So that's really where the best data comes from is for for HIV uh, infection, um, and and it ranges based on the study. I think it's thirty up to sixty percent. Um, was the number I was seeing, or the numbers I was seeing? Prevention rate or infection rate? <laughs> oh, prevention, prevention. Okay, yeah. okay. So 60% of the time it works. Yeah, over a period of years. Um, yeah, right. In terms of single sexual encounters, it, I actually, that was like one of the things that I found most surprising in, in medical school is like the chances of getting HIV from like a, a single sexual encounter from someone that was infected was like one in a hundred to one in a thousand, which was, was actually kind of surprising to me. It seemed like it would be way higher. Than, right. Um, at least we're talking about, you know, male, female, you know, insertive, like vaginal intercourse. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why it seems like it would be way higher, but uh, the, the risk is already like relatively low, but condoms can definitely bring it down quite a bit. Um, we don't know a whole lot about, about other sexually transmitted diseases. Um, it's probably very effective for things like bacteria, like uh, chlamydia and gonorrhea, um, syphilis, probably like basically larger bugs. Um, right. But versus things like viruses, it's harder to say. And we have even less data about like, um, you know, internal condoms and dental dams, to be honest. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, a lot of it too, especially like these vag- these viral ones is, you know, it can be through not, it's not just skin to skin, but sometimes vaginal secretions and things like that. Um, and obviously a condom can protect against that, but it's not going to always be able to protect against all of that. You know, it's really designed to prevent sperm from getting through and stuff like that. But, you know, I, so it is something to think about, but obviously if you are concerned, always use condom, you know, new partners, it's always smart to, to use, use a uh, protection. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just make a plug for, for using condoms correctly. I feel like most people, I'm sure you guys have encountered this. Like most people don't really read the instructions on like, like how to use condoms. <laughs> and I think that's a big part of it. Like using them correctly for sure is, is, is really important. What's a, what's a good way to practice this? Uh, <laughs> I've never really practiced. I kind of just read the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You're right. People don't know how to use condoms. They don't. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I would say there's probably not a lot of good YouTube videos on this. Um, oh, I'm sure there are, dude. There's got to be. It's like the banana or the something. Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys actually came up to me and said like they they learned it from watching porn of like quote unquote how to put on a condom. Yeah, I don't so I, I don't know if they're no doing idea. it correctly though. You know who knows if they're doing it correctly? <laughs> who knows if the porn stars are doing it correctly? <laughs> I, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say you're learning from the experts. That's so. true. Oh, that's true. you're that's right. True. You're right. That's true. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs>
Um, so we talked about, you know, a lot of these diseases we talked about, you know, it seems like HPV and herpes are the most contracted ones, the most easily contracted. Um, I think it's important we kind of talk about which ones are curable and which ones kind of stick with you, right? So can you kind of just give us a quick breakdown of, of which, which STDs slash STIs are ones that we know we can cure with, you know, medicine um, and the ones that, that, that are kind of more permanent? Yeah, so I'll, I'll say syphilis for sure is like the most curable like STD ever. Um, we've been using like penicillin for it for like 100 years. Like yep. there's yep. no syphilis that's like where penicillin doesn't work. Um, and, and, you know, actually a lot of times in, in dermatology clinic, if, if a patient comes in with an unusual rash um, and the thought of syphilis even crosses my mind, I'm, I'm very upfront with them. You know, I'll tell them, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but syphilis can sometimes look like this. Like, would you be okay with, with getting a test for this? And it actually, when it comes back positive, which, which it does actually fairly often, um, it, it's, it's a huge relief to me because you can just give them like one or potentially three doses of penicillin and, and cure their rash versus other things like psoriasis or eczema, other things that can cause rashes that, that look very similar. Those require, you know, lots of creams, chronic treatments, medications that alter the immune system. They're actually much more difficult to treat, but syphilis for some reason really gets a, gets a bad rap as being like a, a very taboo STD somehow. Um, but it's just like super treatable. You can prevent like seriously life-threatening complications. That's right. so weird. You're describing it as like a syphilis getting a bad rap, man. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> but like just to bring it up now that you mentioned, what are the more common symptoms and signs of having syphilis? So usually 80% of people will develop a sore that's painless uh, somewhere on the genitals, sometimes in the mouth. Um, kind of sticks around usually a couple of weeks after after sexual intercourse with someone that's infected and then it'll go away on its own most people you know will think nothing it's it's actually extremely rare for for to see like you know a primary like ulcer from syphilis like a sore from syphilis um most patients will come in when they develop the rash which we call secondary syphilis um which is kind of like a, a rash all over the body scaly sometimes a little itchy and again, the tricky thing is that it that it hangs around for a few weeks and then it goes away on its own. So yeah. most people yeah. don't even know that they've been infected. They're like, oh yeah, I had this rash and it went away. Um, or I had this little sore and it, it kind of got better on its own. It wasn't really bothering me, so I didn't do anything about it. Um, so those are the, you know, the two main ways that, that syphilis shows up. Um, but, you know, untreated, it can cause serious problems with the, with the heart and the major arteries and the chest, problems with the brain, joints, nerves. Um, and and it's it's just so treatable. And so is there is there a time you know is is there a time frame that you got to get treated before you really start developing these like more serious question. you know like effects of syphilis? Um, usually within like if you get treated within one to two years, um, you can avoid pretty much all of those uh, you know l late consequences of, of having years. Uh, so you got some time. You got some time. Yeah, you got plenty of time. <laughs> Um, get it treated though. Don't don't yeah, just yeah. hang it out. Don't wait. Don't see if <laughs> I'm actually really grateful. I, I work in DC because there's actually a recommendation that that pretty much everyone in in the district who's who's sexually active get a syphilis test um, every so often. Um, so you know, primary care doctors and, and other doctors out there in the community are really good about this, and um, um, it's it's just really really common in district and really any any uh, metro area. Um, 
and I, I think just people don't bro don't broach the the question very often. Like, hey, do you want to be tested for syphilis? Because I think doctors are a little embarrassed. Patients are definitely embarrassed. Um, but it's it's like one of the most treatable and uh, most easy to treat and treatable STDs out there. Hey, so for our listeners out there, you know, if you you think you got syphilis, don't be afraid to like bring it up to your doctor because a few shots and you're going to be good to go. You know, so <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 a great point, Kevin. I think that, I mean I, we were in the middle of something, but I do want to kind of piggyback off that. You know, how many people are scared to come in and talk about about these things with you, uh, Doctor Sardi? You know, are a lot of people coming in months too late because? You know, they're like, oh, I didn't want to tell anyone that I had yeah. an STD or, you know, how often do you see that? You know, is there a delay to care for, for people with STDs? Yeah, it's, it's just way too common. Um, I think, you know, talking about issues surrounding the, the genital skin and sexually transmitted diseases are, it's, it's very hard for patients to, to come forward with those, with those symptoms. Um, and I would say, you know, patients presenting very late is, is, is sadly kind of the norm. Um, rather than people presenting too early. Um, and I would say, you know, as soon as you notice something that's that's just not quite right or, or something that's changing, definitely come in. Um, even if we tell you, you know, hey, this is something that's totally normal, it's considered within the realm of normal, nothing to worry about, um, it, it's always better to come in, come in earlier rather than waiting for something for something really bad or for symptoms to start. So, yeah, I would say the former is very common. I mean, I mean, off that note, I think Justin, this is why we why we do this show, right? Like, you know, th these are things that guys, you know, it's going to happen. It can happen, right? But it's okay. These things are treatable. It, it's, you know, let's let's not get a stigma attached with them. These things are treatable. The faster you get them treated, the better it is, and we move on. You know. Yeah, and and you know, we're we're talking about things, even the things that were permanent, like you said, you said herpes and you said HPV that we talked about were more permanent. They're still very, very manageable, like you said. Right. Um, you know, even with herpes, you take a medicine and you said, you know, most people don't even know that they have it, and that's kind of it. Um, that kind of leads to the other ones that I know are treatable, like gonorrhea and chlamydia. They kind of often go hand in hand. Now, what are those symptoms, and how, how I can, and I know those are curable as well. Yeah, gonorrhea and chlamydia are, are also ex extremely common. Um, thankfully, less infectious than than the viruses. Um, they're both they're both caused by a bacteria, um, and and a lot of patients have very few symptoms, and that's kind of how you know these these sexually transmitted infections. They, that's how they stay under the radar um, by people really having very minimal symptoms. You know, continuing to have to have sexual intercourse and, and the disease spreading. Um, for, for women, it can show up in the gonorrhea and chlamydia. They're almost indistinguishable, you know, based on symptoms or, or, you know, when, when you go to see your doctor, but, um, women can have a, a vaginal itch, a lower abdominal pain, um, pain with urination, um, or what's called pelvic in, inflammatory disease where, where the uterus and, and the fallopian tubes can, can be inflamed because of the bacteria that's there. Um, and men can have even fewer symptoms, sometimes a little bit of pain with urination, um, pain uh, in the scrotum um, due to uh, inflammation of the, the what, what's called the epididymis, the connection between, you know, the urethra and the, and the testicles, as well as a uh, urethral discharge. Uh, that's why they call, oh man, I, I had a mentor in, in residency that would be so upset if I forgot this, but I forgot which one they call the drip. Do you guys know? Um, uh, I, they call gonorrhea or chlamydia uh, the drip. Like the one's the clap, one's the clap. Chlam I think chlamydia, chlamydia is the clap, clap. So, I think so gonorrhea is the drip. That, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, why do they give 
Such bad STDs, such cool names. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, you got the clap. <laughs> yo, I mean, yo, coming through with that drip. I mean, like, come on, the drip is like. <laughs> so, so, so we could do a podcast about it hundreds of years later. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing that I was just thinking about that I, I you know, um. I think that people would like to know when they're engaging in sexual activity, a question we often get a lot is like oral sex versus, you know, penetrative sex, anal sex. Like, you know, is there a difference in contractability? Like if you give oral sex to someone who has, if a guy gives oral sex to a girl who has gonorrhea, can I get gonorrhea in my throat? Can I get chlamydia in my throat? Actually, yeah, it's, it, Depends on, you know, the STD and, and the mode of, of sexual activity. Um, it's the gonorrhea for sure can, can affect, um, you know, the, the oropharynx, the, the mouth basically. Um, and it can also affect, uh, actually the, um, the rectum. Um, so th- you know, that's why people who, uh, you know, do engage in oral and, and anal sex, sometimes it's recommended that, you know, they have testing for gonorrhea and chlamydia, um, both not just from the urethra or the, or the cervix, um, but also from, from the mouth and, and, and the rectum, um, you know, before calling, you know, before saying that, you know, they don't have this STD. So, um, yeah, it can definitely, it can definitely happen. And the viruses is too, like all the viruses too, right? Yeah. We used to think herpes was like, you know, sorted like perfectly where, where the herpes simplex one virus was pretty much just of the mouth and the herpes simplex yeah. two virus was just of the genitals. And we're finding that they're kind of approaching convergence where they're basically randomly distributed now where people can have HSV2 of the mouth or HSV1 of the genitals. Um, and, and it's becoming totally arbitrary. Um, so that's that's really not the case anymore um, with, with the herpes viruses, at least. If a girl has, can a girl give uh, oral sex to a man and give them an STD? I'm just going through literally every scenario because I, I, I get these questions all the time. Yeah. We should we should come up with like a like a spreadsheet, like a... Almost like one of those Super Bowl. Like, uh, just want to watch you just go here yeah. and here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is transmittable yeah. by yeah. this way. This is. Right. No, <laughs> Actually, I wonder true. if that's it's out true. there. A little pocket guide, you know, that you bring around with yeah. you. Know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're safe through that <laughs> Yeah, I would say yes, especially with the herpes viruses. Again, kind of this crossover phenomenon between the, the herpes 1 and herpes 2 viruses. For, for other STDs, it's probably less likely like gonorrhea and chlamydia, I think are probably much less likely. Um, but, uh, I, I think it varies and, and we don't probably don't have great numbers on, on how, on how common that is. But if you're worried, there's dental dams, there's all that kind of stuff. Still condoms are still, still, mm-hmm. still usable in oral sex. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, just backtracking a little bit, uh, just for our listeners. So gonorrhea, chlamydia, how do you treat that? Just, just for their knowledge. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Again, super treatable. I mean, it's just an injection of an antibiotic, and usually once one is diagnosed, a lot of a lot of doctors will treat for the other. Like if you're diagnosed with gonorrhea, unless they're a hundred percent certain you don't also have chlamydia, they'll also treat you for that. Um, and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is the that antibiotics are becoming less effective against gonorrhea, so sometimes you know do, doing the combination of antibiotics is uh, is actually more effective. Um, so just an antibiotic injection called called ceftriaxone, and then a pill uh, called azithromycin, or you know commonly referred to as a as a Z pack. But instead of taking the Z pack like you would take for an ammonia, um, it's just the one pill, or sometimes it's four pills at once. 
Now this, uh, you know, on that note of, you know, talking about how antibiotics are, are, are not working as well, or we're worried about resistance, you know, is, is there such thing as a super gonorrhea? I've like seen it. People have, like sent me information about it. Is, is this true? It seems very scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're, we're, there are pretty high rates of pretty alarmingly high rates of, uh, of resistance to, to septraxin, at least for, for gonorrhea. And it's, kind of resulted in, in having to use um, more and more toxic antibiotics to treat it, which is kind of becoming a challenge. Um, there, there's an antibiotic in Europe that's that's really effective, but we just don't have it yet in the United States. And with, with a lot of these infectious diseases, there's really just not a lot of, you know, reason to study them in the U.S. because companies aren't going to make a whole lot of money selling antibiotics, it seems. Um, so it is, it is definitely getting harder to treat gonorrhea, and we're seeing, um, you know, higher rates of antibiotic resistance. Where ceftriaxone is is, you know, kind of like a penicillin type antibiotic, extremely safe. It's been used for hundreds of years or probably close to a hundred years. Um, we're having to use more toxic medications that can have problems with, that can cause problems with hearing, kidneys, etc. cetera. Um, and, hey, uh, we got to treat yeah. the super gonorrhea. We got to kill the super gonorrhea, man. I'm not trying to, we're not trying to mess with super <laughs> gonorrhea over here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just safe sex practices and, and getting everyone tested and treated would, would go a long way towards, towards preventing the, you know, proliferation of these, these bad, bad, bad bacteria. Yeah. I mean, um, so, you know, we, we talked about the treating those and, um, going back to the HPV and the herpes, right. We, we talked about how prevalent they are. We talked about the vaccine, um, for HPV, but how about treatments of, of, you know, these genital warts when you have genital warts, what do you do? What are the options? Yeah, gen- genital warts are, are like extremely, extremely common, and really the whole the whole name of the game is is getting the immune system to to wake up and realize that there's a little virus there living in the skin, um, and, and we can do that in a number of ways. Um, if it's just a single wart, a lot of the times, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to just kind of like remove it for the patient. Um, that in and of itself, just the act of like removing the wart surgically is enough to cause inflammation in the area um, that'll kind of recruit the immune system and, and, and let it know that, hey, there's a little virus here, get rid of it. Um, but sometimes if there's more than one, we'll do things like uh, what's called cryotherapy or cryosurgery, where we'll basically freeze the warts um, to kind of stimulate an immune response. It basically causes almost like frostbite in the area. And as a result of that kind of damage to the skin, the immune system kind of rushes in and hopefully it picks up on the fact that there's a virus there and and there are a couple of creams that can do that that can have the same effect. There's about three or four of them that are out there. I will tell you that Kevin and I, as surgeons, we do this a lot, right, Kev? Like, what do yeah. you, what do we commonly do? Uh, we do, you know, we excise them. Uh, mm-hmm. Done like the, the there's like laser therapy that you can do or fulguration mm-hmm. to some sort of extent. Um, mm-hmm. We also do the creams and all that stuff too, right, Justin? Am I missing yeah. one? I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think if you have general warts as a guy, you're urologist treats it, your dermatologist treats it. There's a lot of people out there who can really take care of it. You know, uh, I used the laser literally yeah. last week on, on some general warts. We, I know we've both bid, did excisions on bigger ones, but yeah. there's a lot of different options. And when you remove them, they go away, but you know, there is obviously no guarantee that these general warts won't come back maybe right. in a different area, but, but we can treat them and remove them as needed, which is important. Now, when we're talking about herpes, you know, herpes, there's, you, you have these actually, uh, go ahead. I, I don't know if you guys have, uh, have, have heard of this, but, um, for, for like 
plantar warts for warts on the feet. Did you know that duct tape is just as effective as a lot of the creams? I feel like I saw that somewhere. Really? Yeah. Duct tape, yeah. huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, not even kidding. A, a randomized control trial of duct tape for warts. And it's just as effective as a lot of the treatments that are out there. So there's people and, and out turns there out walking lot... around with just duct tape on their feet because you told them to yeah. put on duct tape on their feet. Absolutely. I, I recommend it all the time, especially for kids. <laughs> Wait, so you just slap it, it, it on out... and then you just pull it off? Yeah, yeah. It turns out a lot of people are allergic to the adhesive in duct tape, and that kind of jumpstarts the immune system as well, um, just about as well as anything else we have. Do you put so. the duct tape on the penis or anything like that? I mean... That I have not tried. <laughs> I think we got a research idea. <laughs> yeah, let's collaborate. A randomized trial of duct tape on the penis. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised at all if it works, based wow. on you know how we treat them in other ways. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's so cheap too. It's such a cheap option. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is embedded. There's no there's no evidence behind that on the yeah, penis. Yeah, please don't put <laughs> please don't put duct tape on your penis, thinking it's going to cure your genital warts. Please don't do that. <laughs> Uh, but back to the herpes thing, right? So, how do we treat herpes? Because it is a permanent thing as well. How how do we how do we deal with patients when if you find out you have herpes, what's the next step? So, usually patients with with herpes will either have you know cold sores that come and go throughout the year, um, or kind of a similar phenomenon on the genitals, where they'll have a few very small blisters, um, you know, on the genital skin can be actually pretty painful and debilitating for some people. Um, lasts a few days and then goes away. It, and it kind of depends, you know, on the, on the person. If, if the person's having, you know, one flare-up per year, they might be okay with, uh, you know, taking just a, a course of the antiviral medications. Um, and there, there's a couple different ways to do it, but they, they might be okay with just taking that at the first signs or symptoms of, of an outbreak. Um, but once people start having, like, two, three, four outbreaks a year, um, that's when I like to start talking about potentially being on a, like a once a day medication, uh, called valacyclovir or people commonly know it as, as Valtrex, um, extraordinarily safe medication. And it can really reduce the number of, of breakouts every year. So. Now, now does that, if you're taking Valtrex every day, are you inherently preventing the outbreak and preventing your partner from getting it? Um, or there no I would guarantees? say. Kind of, and yes. If you're preventing the outbreaks, that's the thought that it reduces, you know, how transmissible the the infection is. Because once once you develop those blisters, those blisters are, are packed with virus. Whereas, kind of the normal healthy skin that's in the area probably has very very little virus there, if any. Okay, and now just just to before we start wrapping this up, those people who have partners who have herpes and you're worried about getting herpes, what's the chances of transmission? Uh, from one partner to another, you know, in a, in a year. I, I think we've talked about this. It's pretty low. It's very low, yeah. And I, I think that people really shouldn't worry because odds are they already have some form of the herpes virus <laughs> already. Um, That's reassuring. That's great for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> we all got it. Don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you know, being on medication for sure can, uh, you know, reduce the number of breakouts. A- abstaining from sex during breakouts, uh, can go a long way, and and again, barrier methods like like condoms um, you know, can can reduce the risk, and it's it's not terribly high. Um, and it, you, even if you are infected, the chances that you'll have symptoms that are even bothersome to to you know worry about or affect your life are pretty low in themselves. So, um, pretty reassuring. It's now. I guess let's just end on one final question. You know, for people who are worried. 
um, you know, about getting an STD or, you know, uh, or approaching a doctor, what is some advice you have? What's the best advice you can give someone who's kind of worried about getting an STD and then those who, who think they may have an STD? Yeah, again, you know, I'll say, you know, don't wait. Um, I don't think any complaint is, is too small to, to talk to a doctor about. Um, we, we'd rather, you know, see things early on and, and reassure you that something is, is totally harmless and normal um, rather than get to it late when, you know, we're dealing with things like more advanced, you know, cancers or uh, sexually transmitted diseases that maybe have spread to other organs or are causing other problems or potentially pass them on to additional people where we kind of have to go back and get in touch with those people to get treated as well. So, so definitely come in early. No complaint is too small. Um, it's going to sound kind of weird, but especially for, for skin stuff on the genitals, take pictures. Um, you know, sometimes how something is, is evolving can be really helpful to your, your primary care doctor, urologist, dermatologist, um, how something is changing over a period of time. And, and especially if it's something that's coming and going, um, you know, knowing what it looked like when it was there, um, is, is hugely important. Not, you know, now that everyone has, you know, cameras on their cell phone, there's like no excuse, you know, to not take a picture of something if it, if it continues to happen. Um, and I guess the other side to the same coin is, is demand an exam. You know, don't settle for someone, you know, not examining the skin or the genitals in general. If you come in with a genital related complaint, uh, it's so common. Like you wouldn't believe it. Like I have patients refer to me all the time and they said, oh, you know, this person, you know, sent me here because I had had this problem. Um, but they didn't even, you know, look at the skin there. They didn't even look at, you know, my, my penis or my vagina or whatever. Um, it's, it's extremely common. And if there is something there to see or some symptoms there, definitely, you know, demand an exam from your doctor. Um, but yeah, I think that that would be it. I think that's pretty great. And I think that, you know, I really appreciate you having come coming on today, uh, Dr. Sardi. I think the main thing is, you know, these things happen. A lot of people have them and, Although it stinks to get an, uh, you know, an STD, I think the good news is if we can't cure it, we can manage it. And most of the time we can cure these things. So, um, you know, if you, if you see it or you feel something wrong, like you said, make sure you go to the doctor. The further you let this thing go, the worse it can get, especially if we can manage it. Uh, nothing to be embarrassed about. And I think another important thing just to, as, as I'm wrapping up here is to mention is that. We aren't talking to anyone else about your STD. We're not talking mm-hmm. to your partner. We're not talking to your partners. We're not talking to your mom. We're not talking to your dad. We're not talking to your sister, your brother. This is really just between you and the doctor. This is a personal conversation. We're here to help you. I don't care what scenario you got it or how you got it. We're here to fix the problem. And I think that that is really the most important thing that a lot of people, I think, sometimes have this idea that we're going to judge them for coming in for doing these kinds of things. And that's far from the case, right? There's, because- there's, there's, there's no judgments. There's there's no judgments made within uh, the the four walls uh, where you're there with the physician, you know? We're there just to get you better. And, you know, like Dr. Sardi said, you know, and like me and Justin, I'm sure Dr. Sardi too, have seen these things when they've gone on for way too long, you know, and you're just like, you've been letting that thing just kind of fester for like years. And like the management for it is like so much like worse and it has bad implications for you as a patient, you know? So, you know, like Dr. Sardis said, don't wait. And like Justin said, you know, no judgments made come to and see the doctor as soon as possible. So. 
I agree. And with that excellent conclusion, I think we're going to wrap up once again, Dr. Sardi, thanks for coming on. We definitely learned a lot. There's so many other things we have to talk about. We'll make another episode about for sure. That's going to be some really fun stuff that we already have an idea of what we want to talk about. Um, So thanks again for coming on as always to our listeners. Thanks for listening. Um, You can follow us on all platforms. Uh, Man up pod can be found on Twitter Instagram, uh, TikTok. Kevin, what's our website? It's www.demanuppod.com. So you can find all of your resources there for everything Man Up. You can also listen to our podcast on our website. You can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes. Always review, uh, subscribe, give us a comment as well. Five stars is always appreciated. For Kevin and Dr. Sardi, thanks for listening. Until next time, have a good one.